and salutations from Boss Lady Headquarters. I'm Holly Sexton, culture enthusiast and Boss Lady Coaching producer, along with Megan Stith, CEO and founder of Boss Lady Coaching. Before we begin the podcast, just a thank you for our recent nomination and recognition from the University of Kentucky and the Kentucky Innovation Network. We were nominated for a Hardin County Entrepreneurial Award and we're thankful that our conversations with smart, successful women are getting noticed. We've been busy scheduling podcasts with interesting, smart, successful, and talented women. We're a traveling podcast, so every guest is recorded at a different location. We go where successful, professional women work and live. Dana Parrott talked with us a few weeks ago at my house about generation gaps in the workplace. So here we go. Enjoy. We are lucky to have Ms. Dana Parrott with us. Dana is an extension agent for family and consumer science here through the University of Kentucky and our resident expert on all things multi-generational, millennials and beyond. So thanks for being with us, Dana. Well, thanks for having me. And maybe we should say I'm not an expert. That's a little <laughs> bit of pressure you're putting on me there. No, we love. Um, Dana's been fantastic. We um, Earlier today, actually, we're just in a meeting together through our Young Professionals Network, and she will be also speaking soon to that group to help us uh, share the experience and uh, things she's learned along the way as really it's all about how we can get things done together and recognizing that people come from different backgrounds. So she's sharing this in a lot of different ways and with a lot of different groups. So we really appreciate your willingness to help us all think of ways we can be successful. Well, thank you very much. So before we get into how uh, millennials, uh, maybe, you know, things that are true and maybe not so true about Mm -hmm. them, uh, speaking from that perspective myself, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, what it is that you do as a uh, family and consumer science extension agent. What does a day typically look like for you? (laughs) So that's a tricky question because there really is not a typical day for me. Um, But what I do is basically free community education. Um, We take the research that the University of Kentucky does and we present it to communities. Um, Extension got founded on the premise that not all farm boys could afford to go to college. And so um, land-grant universities were established in every state and Extension was the outreach component. Um, For those who could not go to the school, um, they took the school to them. And so we have morphed obviously through the years, but um, we've been around for over 100 years. And basically my goal um, with the Family Consumer Science Program is to help people live self-sufficient lives. Um, So teaching them nutrition, basics of cooking, um, stretching your food dollar, um, financial management, how to make a budget, that kind of stuff. And then going even further into um, leadership development, child development, that kind of stuff. A little bit of everything. Yeah. (laughs) And much more, you know, when I think about where I grew up, up north, uh, Extension was not a household name. Right. I really didn't know what that was until I went to a land-grant university myself up in Michigan, but down here in Kentucky especially, I think there's so much more awareness of Extension, but that now that I can put on my farmer hat and say we work with our Extension agents all the time for our Mm -hmm. farm, I don't know if people really still understand how much more there is beyond, you know, having someone come out and help you design a livestock pen. So what are some of the things that um, you like to surprise people with that you do that maybe they don't know? (laughs) Well, talking about generations (laughs) is definitely one of them. Um, But you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of people still think they call and they ask for the county agent and they mean the ag agent to come out and and do something on their farm. But um, we in here in Hardin County, we have six agents and we're all equals. Um, We have two that still do the traditional ag um, livestock thing. We have two that do 4-H youth development. 
um, which the majority of people, when they're familiar with extension, they're familiar with 4-H because mm-hmm. um, everybody loves kids. Um, and then we have one horticulture agent, so everybody has a yard, flowers, things like that. Um, and then myself, I do um, family consumer science. So surprising, I think it's surprising to a lot of people just that we're more than ag. Um, but I think it's especially surprising when you sit down and, and tell somebody that, you know, I can help you do your budget um, and, and I can help you look at your bills and let's talk about your credit score um, and how we can repair that credit report, things like that. Um, you think you have to go pay somebody to do that kind of stuff and, and everything we do is free. So I'm really hoping my husband's not listening to this particular <laughs> podcast because he's probably, um, if he is thinking, Megan, whip out your checkbook right now and, and <laughs> ask for some help. But um, definitely those are services that we can all benefit from regardless of where we come from. And mm-hmm. I'm sure something that we all assume is being taught somewhere along the line, but mm-hmm. is it in your experience that people have, have these skills the way we just assume they do? Well, and I think that that's a lot of the issue. You know, we hear people bash kids today um, and how they can't give back change and they can't do this and they can't do that. We never taught them. You know, and we act like it's the kids' fault that that they don't have those skills. And no, it's not. That's our fault. Um, It's the fault that we don't teach them that in the school system. And um, I obviously am, am biased, but I honestly believe that a lot of the breakdown of society has come with removing those home ec classes from from schools and um, seeing the breakdown of the family and and you know yes older generations they did get to just automatically know that stuff because they saw their parents um, do those things or do them together but um, the reality is that's just not the case today and and these kids it's not their fault that they don't have that that knowledge um, and I think that that's on us to make sure that that they have access to it somewhere so so it's not all millennials' fault. It's, no, no, <laughs> we get a lot of bad rep, don't we? we? Do. Yeah, everybody thinks that uh, millennials are entitled and that we are lazy. Um, and the thing that I hear all the time is, um, you know, that that you all got a, a ribbon just for participating all the time. Well, we didn't give ourselves <laughs> ribbons. <laughs> that's not our generation is not the one that started that. And so that's the thing with generations that I find so interesting is that they're so cyclical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one generation, their parents did something that they didn't like, so they made sure not to do it. Well, then the next generation, their parents didn't do it, so they go back to doing it. Um, and everything just tends to repeat itself, um, which I think is a good thing, too. I think that it makes you see the, the pros and cons of so many things in society um, when they're cyclical like that. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I never got one of those ribbons, so I must have been so bad I didn't even get one for participating, because I don't know where they talk about that all the time, and uh, that definitely wasn't my experience. So I would love to hear, Dana, too, about um, you've taken some really proactive steps with teaching skills uh, through the adulting series you did mm-hmm. with Extension. So would love to hear a little bit more about how you led that program. So basically what we did and it stemmed really from me being a millennial and being tired of everybody bashing kids these days. Um, I just went and asked older generations, okay, if you could start over and teach these kids what you thought they needed to know, what are those things? Um, And so it was the basic things, the things that you think of, um, how to give back change, how to write a check, um, balance a checkbook, that kind of stuff. But then it went even further on how to do laundry, um, how to, you know, boil an egg and do some of those very basic cooking skills. Um, how to change the oil in your car, um, how to change a tire, you know, things that you do on a day-to-day basis that you don't get taught in school again. Um, so then we had one on credit um, and, and kind of how to apply for a loan and, and what to prepare yourself for um, going into that kind of stuff. Um, 
and then we did the um, generations and the personality test just so people are a little bit more familiar with themselves um, and how they learn and so that way they can go and try to learn best to get the knowledge that they need so um, and then we just recruited and, and had people come and um, we had a lot of fun with the adulting series Right. What kind of feedback did you get from people who went through it? Um, actually, I have been asked to do it again next year and do it on Saturdays. Um, and I got asked from a lot of people who work in the factories um, because they said that they wanted to come. So they wanted like an early morning Saturday class that they could come straight from the factories and, and do some of those things. Because I think one thing, too, um, that we tend to forget is we just assume that it's these young kids that don't know stuff. Um, when in reality, a lot of us don't know some mm -hmm. of the things that... that we consider as an adulting skill. Um, I don't know a lot of it. You know, I had to get guests to teach a lot of those classes because I don't know how to do it. So it, it's just one of those things that um, the people who think that the other people need it sometimes need it themselves mm -hmm. too. So let's talk a little bit about that um, dynamic between different generations that you see. What are some of the conflicts in or out of the workplace that happen now with all of these different generations working together? So we kind of are at a, a standpoint um, in the workforce where we have so many generations um, working together and actually um, Millennials are now the most you know you always knew about baby boomers and, and baby boomers worked all the time and they were workaholics and um, for baby boomers you know work was everything and they were the first generation that um, moms and dads both worked um, and so their kids resented that a little bit because mom and dad were gone all the time they worked all the time and so their Gen X kids um, went to Gen work. Gen Xer, right here. <laughs> I'm not going to offend But they went to work, but then when the day was over, they went home. Mm -hmm. And they spent time with their families, which is something that their baby boomer parents, and again, these are all blanket statements, and they don't apply to everybody in these generations, but for the most part, um, baby boomers stayed at work all the time. Gen Xers went home. So as millennials, um, we see a little bit of the workaholic thing but it, a lot of that has to do with technology um, so we constantly have work at our fingertips with our phones and our tablets and everything like that and so we would rather be much more mobile in our workstations um, and so we work a lot more but we're, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're sitting at a desk um, for that whole work period I um, mean I think that a lot of people in older generations that's why we get bashed so much because they see that we're out of the office and we're involved in things like young professionals that kind of stuff and they see that as taking time away from work um, when in reality we see that as contributing to our work um, and and kind of adding to what we're doing and, and that networking piece um, we see as much more valuable than than they typically did so you can only sit at your desk and hit send receive right. your email right. so many times before right. you lose your mind. And yeah. that's where a lot of Gen Xers are yeah. because we're kind of caught in the middle and right. we do understand technology and we're getting better at it. And yeah. so we see the millennial plight and they're like, they're out interacting yeah. and doing all these things and we're sitting at our desks. Yeah. And this is unhealthy, first of all. Yeah. Um, so it's causing health problems. But then on top of mm -hmm. that, you're right. You you're just you have your face stuck in a computer, but you're there. You're there. And so right. your boss thinks, oh, they're productive. They're, right. And it's ironic that you brought that up because I actually read an article yesterday about um, how millennials are changing the workforce and how um, boomers worked. They were workaholics. They worked all the time. Um, some Gen Xers, when they followed a boomer, they kind of picked up that mentality, but not really. Um, but now millennials are coming in and they're being so much more flexible with their scheduling and 
going out of the office and doing things, you know, later at night, that kind of stuff. And that actually they're starting to see a trend that Gen Xers are asking for some of that flexibility now. Um, and so they, it's going to kind of change the trend a little bit in the workplace that maybe we don't always have to sit mm-hmm. from eight to five. Of course, for certain jobs, that's not an option. You know, you have sure, to Sure, if you're answering phones right. or greeting people, you right. have to do that. They did a ranking of businesses that were most millennial friendly. Um, and then they went even deeper and they looked at those businesses and um, just some of the numbers on them. And like they did like $200 million more a year um, profit-wise because the the people who were working for them were working at their most productive hours. Absolutely. Um, and so they got that flexibility in their schedules. Like 70% of them had very flexible schedules um, mm-hmm. of the ones that millennials like to work at. And then when you are productive and, and doing things, when you feel like you've got your full potential into it, um, and that is an increase in profit for, for those for-profit businesses. So if you're an employer, mm-hmm. you know, look at it that way, that you want your employees at their best. And if they could come and tell you, okay, from one to three, I am not doing anything. I'm just staring <laughs> at that computer. Yeah, and everybody has those times. Sure. Um, so instead, let me take this one to, to three break, but then I promise to work until six instead of five. Because sure. I'm, I'm productive then. Yeah, I'm still um, or let me come in at hours. seven instead yeah. of eight because I'm a morning person kind of thing. Yeah, I think they, like, the <laughs> baby boomers are sitting around thinking that to be a millennial-friendly workplace, they have to have, like, I don't know, pinball machines yeah. and, like, yeah. soda fountains. <laughs> and, I don't know. I'm picturing chocolate something. Chocolate like, fountains. Yeah, oh, I would pits. totally work for a chocolate fountain. Well, like, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> but go I think for that's, it. But. I think that's what the image is, that it has to be this, yeah. like, you know, San Francisco tech startup yes. um, where you can nap on the job. So. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to talk about, like, this This is, you know, can be more attainable maybe than people realize, which is, you know, just oh, that. Completely. That's how we operate as a, an office, which is here's your hours and here's what we got to do and yeah. we'll cover it. And um, that makes us, and I think most companies really aren't in the position where you do have enough people to do everything that needs to be done, which that means then you've got to really be able to get people at their peak performance and right. make everybody you know as efficient as possible. So if that's really the objective, it could look on the surface like you're not working as much, but I think it's that, you know, they say that work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure for a reason. And if... You know, and, and just that experience of being on the other side as an employer where, you know, I, I'm so glad to hear you stepped up and asked for that flexibility. But almost for me, I, that sounds like I just can't imagine not having that. So it would be I I, I can <laughs> yeah. imagine yeah. that would be so important. And I think that's something for employers to think about that really it doesn't have to be, you know, as extravagant as maybe people are right. thinking. Well, and the other thing, too, it's not just that millennials want flexibility, but the the biggest thing that we see, too, is. You know, how many of you, you've gone through a job and you get a once a year evaluation? Yes. Mid-year evaluation or end of year evaluation, whatever it is. Do not tell me in December that I did something wrong in March. Preach. I love it. Tell me in March (laughs) that I did something wrong in March. That way I don't do it again in April. And that's another big thing that millennials look for is some of that instant feedback. And not necessarily, you don't have to praise everything that we do kind of thing. But, you know, if we're doing something wrong, Tell us so we can fix it. It's like letting you walk around with spinach in your teeth for yeah. six months. <laughs> and then it's like, saying, when somebody say something and, about yeah. that? And then, you know, well, okay, here, you got a three out of five because you did this for six months wrong. I could get a four or five out of five if you would have told me I would have fixed it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that came from the way we grew up, too, that our parents were, were constantly there. And, and we got told good job even when we didn't do a great job kind of thing. But that constant and instant feedback almost um, we really crave in the workforce. 
So what are some things managers, because I'm sure have some folks listening that maybe, you know, might not be the employer or the decision maker, but what are some ways that an, a manager or somebody who does have a responsibility to develop the people around them could provide that feedback in a way that would be appreciated by a millennial or a Gen Xer? Well, I think that's what I like about that is that there is no one way it has to happen. It can be a quick email hey, saw you did this program, great job. Or saw your numbers were up this month, great job. Um, It can be when you're walking by, hey, you're doing a good job. You know, I I see that you're here. I see you did this. It doesn't have to be some long, drawn out, here's what you did and here's why it was good and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It can just be a quick, good job. Or, hey, I saw that you did this. I really would like it if you would do it this way next time. Two-minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't even have to be in person. It can be a text or an email or, or anything like that. Um, or if you're a manager who stays late, leave a note on their desk. Mm-hmm. You know, that something you would like them to change the next day kind of thing. Death to um, the meeting. I'm so glad <laughs> you said that. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Death to the meeting. Having crucial conversations is so much easier when we aren't, we don't schedule time. Yes. We don't go in with our notepad and we didn't wear our nicest shoes. And right. we're, you know what I'm saying? Because then they're so formal those. and yes. you're, everybody's so tense. It's so and, tense yeah. and nervous and you can't yeah. really even say how you feel. And then when you leave, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't believe I wasted my time and their time by not saying how I actually feel. Right. And and I, when emotions are really high like that. And that's another Gen X um baby boomer type of thing that tends to happen and it's because when we went into the workforce it was so formal yeah and still is in a lot of ways lots of meetings all day mm-hmm. and um and it's just like is this really necessary do we really have one more meeting could or have could been it, an email could it have been an email <laughs> yes. and the answer yes. is yes yeah and and that's another thing too is polishing um the way we communicate with each other via text um i know there's some people that hate emojis but sometimes you've got to use them <laughs> because that is the only way to convey your tone. Mm-hmm. And unless you're, we're all becoming more eloquent in how we speak and clearer mm-hmm. in how we speak when we write. Because if you're sending that email or you're texting or whatever, yeah. you may be misunderstood. And I have heard that from some baby boomers. It's just like, well, I didn't really get a point, the, my point across. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we need to just sit down and have a three-hour meeting yeah. mm-hmm. about this thing. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, you could have a three-hour meeting, and that's one thing. My workplace, um, a lot of our administration are are boomers and Gen Xers, and so we have meetings about meetings we're going to have, about committees (laughs) that we need to plan, and it's just like... Why in the world? Just say that sounds hey. like it should poke a hole in this FaceTime oh continuum. <laughs> oh, speaking like, of that, and I'm not going to draw names or anything, but we're, we're all involved in boards and committees yep. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes you're looking at your watch and you're going, "Okay, I'm out." Like yes. this is ridiculous. Yes. I just there's nothing I hate more than leaving a meeting and thinking, "What did we just accomplish? What did we do in that meeting?" Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing productive. And so, and that, I mean, I'm a millennial and a lot of millennials um, have that complaint. And so that's, again, with the evaluation thing, just say it right then, you know, say how you feel, be done with it. And then the other thing that does is when you're constantly saying, hey, I noticed you did this. Hey, whether it's good or bad, A, you know, as a millennial that your boss is paying attention to you, which is a good thing. Um, and that builds rapport and relationship between your whole office too, um, when you're constantly in communication. If you only see that that person um, who is your boss twice a year at your reviews, really, um, you know, there's no real relationship there to to have any foundation. And I think that is why a lot of millennials leave the workforce too. Mm-hmm. Um, they go find new jobs where they can actually talk to their boss. Mm-hmm. You know, used to you you would think, 
you know, you wanted to hide from your boss and you never wanted them to come talk to you. And millennials are the complete opposite. We want you to come talk to us. Well, Which noticed. is so foreign to me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I've why? Seen <laughs> I've seen that firsthand. And I think I'm really glad you said communication because I think if you sum all of this, summarize this all, you know, in, in one word, it really is that that's the core essence mm-hmm. of the difference here is um, a great example is I've noticed that, um, you know, the boomer generation, especially, uh, you know, from their mindset, they're going to ask for help if they need it. But otherwise, they just want you to assume as a manager that everything's handled. And, uh, right. you know, I'm used to, uh, you know, giving people updates, constant information from both in and out of here's where this is at. So just understanding that I'm not trying to drive everybody crazy, but this is so we can all stay in the loop. And then um, so that other, the, the person from the boomer generation doesn't feel micromanaged, but it can be hard when you're yeah. expecting, you know, well, where are things at with you? It's not that I'm yeah. trying to tell you what to do, but I think it's that knowing yeah. that um, how much comes in versus out, that that is totally different yeah. between. And I actually was getting ready to say that while you were talking. There is a big difference between communication and micromanagement. Yes. Okay. Um, break that down. <laughs> you have to break that down. All right. Everybody well, listening, here is the difference because well, you nailed it, Megan. Yeah. They, I mean, you were like preaching. I was like, yeah, that is so true because yeah. uh, Gen Xers, we feel micromanaged. Yes. It's like you hired me. I am capable. And if yeah. I don't know how to do it, I'm going to figure out how to yeah. do it. And now I have the internet. Yay. So I can do it. I'm invincible. You can, can literally do, sit at your desk and, and never have to talk I, to somebody. I can yeah. do anything. And then when somebody checks in on you, even that verbiage checks yeah. in on you, it feels like an insult to your intelligence and yeah. to your abilities. And, and your generation is saying, let's check in with each other. Yeah. And we're like, I want to know what's up. <laughs> well, I think one thing, too, that managers have to remember is that once you get to know your employees and you know you know, what generation they're from and what they prefer, it's okay to manage them differently. Um, You know, one of your biggest failures is going to be if you try to manage manage every one of your employees the same way. Now, everybody wants to be fair. You want to do things across the board. But if you know somebody that, that needs that constant feedback and that's what they thrive on, and that's going to help them be more productive, give it to them. But if you know that you have somebody else who checking in on them is going to make them worse, don't check mm-hmm. in on them. Mm-hmm. Stick with that one-year, you know, evaluation kind of thing. And um, it's totally okay to to manage your employees the way they need to be managed. Um, and that doesn't always look the same for every employee. I know in, in one case in particular, you know, sometimes I've asked for folks that I know prefer not to have me constantly, you mm-hmm. know, hey, how, how did this go? What happened? We would schedule a certain time that, you know, weekly or daily, depending on what the person's preferences were, they would know to send me an update just on, you know, a couple key things that we've been working on. Yeah. So it was part of their schedule and they could plan for it. And I wasn't having to say, you know, every time I thought of something, you know, wonder what's going on with that. And then there's other employees that I might email with 10, 10, yeah. 10, 15 times yeah. a day. Sorry, guys. And then there's probably other employees uh, that you can text. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then we're texting those memes and jokes and things after work sometimes because sometimes you do have to just yeah. Um, yeah. get an emoji out. Uh, <laughs> that's the only yeah. thing that can explain what kind of day it was. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, it doesn't necessarily always have to be um, really formal, but just looking right. even on a little schedule like that. So it's, you know, something that that person knows. I, I just want this. I can help you and I can know the most, you know, current status on things so that if, you know, something okay. happens, you're able to jump right in and, and support them and yeah. helping them figure out what that looks like 
for them mm-hmm. versus yeah. this is how you need to talk to me. And yeah. and let's put that in reverse. In my early 20s, I had a team of people and I was working in management at a factory and I had people working for me that were in their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. That was really tough because I had zero management and leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the position I'm in right now. Okay, so tell me. so it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. How do you manage people? How do you manage people? I'm getting my notes out. Okay. No, no. I don't think I'm the one that can give the... I need to go to some things, too. But I have to remember that sometimes. That whereas I wish my boss would come to me more, I have to remember that they're more like you. That when I come around, they see it as... What have I done wrong? Mm-hmm. Even if I'm coming mm-hmm. to say something good, that for them it's sometimes like any attention is bad attention. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing for managers to remember too is that the different generations need praise different ways. So baby boomers, they want you to say, Megan, you did a great job. Here is your picture in the paper. Here is a plaque that has your name on it. You did a great job. The gold watch. Yes. yes. I mean, the gold they, watch want, retirement yes, generation. they want all the hurrah. Um, and I'm not saying that in a negative way against them. That's just the way that, that they want it because um, they're very competitive. And so that is a little mm-hmm. bit of, yes, I've done something good. I've got this award. Um, whereas Gen Xers, any attention sometimes is, is bad attention. We just want you to give us more money yeah. and leave us alone. <laughs> yes. Let me take off <laughs> from one to three. <laughs> yes, exactly. My office, um, at, up until um, actually earlier this year, we had all four generations working in our office, um, which was really tricky to, to figure out. Um, what each person needed. But we do have a Gen Xer in our office, and she's just like, if you think I'm doing a good job, leave me alone. Don't come to me <laughs> until you think I'm doing a bad job. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the millennial who's like, come talk to me all the time. Whatever. Just open door. Yeah, text me 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which not all the time, but, you know, mm-hmm. those those constant feedback thing. And so um, I think that's important to remember, too, that um, sometimes you think you're doing, you may be a boomer, and you think that you're doing a good thing by praising an employee, um, but if they're a Gen Xer, that may not they may not find that as a motivator mm-hmm. um, that you've just called them out. So it's important to remember that difference. Too, and you're right, and you're right about intrinsic motivators. Everybody's right. motivators are different, and and but the blanket statements I believe are mostly true. And yeah. honestly, until you said that, I had never thought about myself that way. But I really do. When the boss comes around, it is since I've worked since I was 12 years old, it is in me to look busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Even when like, you have a great relationship with your boss. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not dreading, but at the same time, I've just been taught that through right. the years in the workplace that you, if, if you're leaning, you ain't cleaning, <laughs> you know, and that type of thing. And it's just to hear it verbalized is like, Whoa, I really am like yeah. that. And it, and I'm a product of my long-term mm-hmm. work environment. Mm-hmm. I actually did, this is totally off topic, but I did my thesis on, um, family dinners. That's something that I'm super passionate about, but we broke it down by generations and how different generations did family dinners. Um, but what was really interesting was, um, cause my thesis advisor, he kept saying, I don't think it has anything to do with generations. I think it has to do with the family that you're raised in. And so one of the families that we interviewed, um, I interviewed the mom, we did a mom and a daughter, um, of each generation. And one of the families, it was the mom and the daughter. And then the next family was the daughter's sister and her daughter. But what was interesting was that the two sisters who had the same mom and were only two years apart, um, they fell into different generations, and they were more likely to be with their generation than with their mom. So it didn't have to do with the family dynamic right. so much as it had to do with, with, the generation. with the generation. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. 
I wonder what uh, what my family dinner style. Of, uh, I won't tell you how many fast food bags there are in my car right so now. The thing is that What's you that eat mean? With your family. Okay, yeah. good. Even if it's in the that car on the way to soccer. Sit down at a table or Ooh. sit down together in a car and that you talk while you eat. That's the most important thing. Oh, good. So the yeah. whole like don't eat and talk at the same time thing. I can totally was at the door. Four year old. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, good. Because yeah, it's that time yeah. of year where um, it is so hard to sit down yeah. and make that. I'd say routine is just yes. so hard for families anymore. But the benefits of it are amazing. I mean, truly, the the they're going to do less drugs. They they go to jail less often. They go to college more and and have better jobs. And um, the bringing us back to generations, millennials are starting to pick that up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We strive to give our families that family dinner that some of us didn't have. Some of us did. I was lucky to to have family dinner every night, but. Um, we're starting to see family dinners kind of on the rise again, which is a really good thing. Well, I think there seems to be more awareness too, and I've just noticed this in the last few years, and especially working with women, of starting to put some boundaries back up, of realizing, look, it's not good. We can't just be in every activity and be out five nights during the week. um, Because it's not things that put more stress on the family that take away from those core values. It's just really not worth it. And in the 80s and the 90s, you had to do that in order to be considered an equal with your male counterpart. Mm -hmm. And that's what's started that culture is to say you know what if dude works 12 hours that day you have to work 12 hours that day and if that means your kids at daycare for that long that's mm-hmm. what that means yep. because you're not going to get the same opportunities that's exactly you're not going right. to get the same raises you're not going to get the same anything yeah your career and even then with the wage gap <laughs> yeah so we were just f- fighting in our hot tops you know, we're just to, to, just to match. And, yeah. and the, thankfully the family dynamic has changed in some good ways too, right. where you see fathers stepping in yes. and, or just men in general, love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stepping in in general and saying, you know what, I see what you're doing and I'm just as capable and right. I'm just as responsible as you are, mom. Yeah. And let's do this together. Yeah. I think a lot of people just bash society in general right now. Um, but I think if you really sit down and look at it, yes, we have a lot of problems and we have a lot of breakdown in the family, that kind of stuff. But millennials, um, I think, see that and are trying to repair it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have a lot of dads who are saying, I'll go pick the kids up. Yeah. Um, and, and you work or do whatever and, and I'll stay with the kids for a while. I'll make dinner. Um, we see that a lot more. And, and I think that that takes a little bit of the pressure and stress off of the working mom. Um, and then we get to have a little bit more of that flexibility that we like. So. Well, this has been so enjoyable, Dana. I just feel a lot less stressed already, <laughs> taking some of that pressure off myself. And I know, you know, it's it's uh, important to remember that there is no um, blanket statement that can encompass right. any generation. So I would love to hear our listeners uh, what moments, whether it's, you know, maybe a dad um, picking his kids up from daycare early so mom doesn't have to, or um, a young professional millennial out doing something that's kind of breaking the mold. Mm-hmm. I know we've used the not all millennials hashtag on uh, Facebook and definitely would love to hear if our listeners do anything uh, that is kind of this outside the box. Let's, 
let's show some things that are different than the stereotypes that we talk about. Uh, so definitely if you are listening and doing anything great that you'd love to tell us about, feel free to, when you're posting on Facebook or Twitter, hashtag it with not all millennials. And we will uh, happily, at the very least, just know we're not alone in trying to break some of those stereotypes and really help all of us do more to communicate. And I uh, really just appreciate your time with us, Dana, as uh, somebody who is setting a great example for millennials. So thank you for being out there as, as uh, one that's shattering those stereotypes. Well, thank you for having me. And if you're a Gen Xer, just like us or share us. We don't want any feedback. <laughs> you're doing a great job. <laughs> a Boss Lady Coaching Podcast is a production of Boss Lady Coaching. If you heard something in this podcast that would be helpful to someone, please share it with them. You can also find us at bethebosscoaching.com. All podcast content in this episode is the property of Megan Stiff, Holly Sexton, and podcast guests. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved.